random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer, still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter! What are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Eddie Wilson. Peter Malnick is out somewhere. I think he went to the movies. But here on this 23rd of March, very, very soon for this year's Big Apple Comic Con, the first one of the year in New York City, want to welcome a legend back to the podcast, Roy Thomas. Roy, thanks so much. Okay, Roy, can you hear me? Uh, yeah. Okay, and I think we got Mike over there. Where? Yes, we do. Hi. Okay. Is this Mr. Roy Thomas? How you doing? Roy, I'm looking forward to picking you up at the airport. Thank you so much for coming to New York. I wouldn't come up there to talk to John. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. We can always talk to John. Hello, John. He's on here. I don't know. All right. He's off in Boston somewhere. Get well, I'm going to give you everyone the details of the show. It's this weekend, all day, Saturday and Sunday at the New Yorker Hotel. It's on 8th Avenue and 34th Street. This is a special event. Mr. Roy Thomas is coming, and he's going to be there all both days. We got a little meet and greet going on. You can go to our website, a meet and greet on Sunday morning. That's pretty cool. You can go to our website. It's BigAppleCC.com. CC for Comic-Con. This is the Comic-Con. This is the greatest Comic-Con in New York. Almost 30 years we've been running them. Roy, I can't thank you and Danny and John enough for coming down for this weekend. We're happy to make it. It's going to rock. That's great. So I've got to literally run because I'm on my way to the airport to pick up some more people that are coming in. Okay. So I want to thank you for bringing me on. It's BigAppleCon, BigAppleCC.com. Big Apple Convention, Google it. It's all weekend at the New Yorker Hotel, Saturday and Sunday. The best Comic Con in the world. So much. At least I think so. (laughs) Hey, Mike, thanks for doing that little in a part two from last week. uh, We picked it up, and uh, and we'll continue with Roy. Thanks very much. We'll see you on the the weekend. Thank you. And now back to Roy Thomas, already in progress. Sure. Well, I'm looking forward to it. It's been five years since I was uh, last in New York City at a convention. I I went to the. the Endgame premiere, you know, there. But otherwise, I haven't been to New York, you know, in terms of a convention or anything like that since 2017, which was also one of Mike's conventions. So it's, it's going to be kind of nice to go back to the place where I had a certain amount of success and fun back in the 60s and 70s. A certain amount. <laughs> a large amount, I think, yeah. No slowing down for you, and that is such a, a great testament. And I know the fans are really, really looking forward to it. Both days, New Yorker Hotel in Manhattan, 34th Street and 8th Avenue. And uh, as mentioned, BigAppleCC.com for tickets. And you're, you're nice enough to do a little meet-and-greet package that's going on on yeah. Sunday. From what I'm told, two witnessed autographs, photo op, and, of course, conversation. We here at The Marvelous have been given a pair of tickets up for grabs. So yeah, you're hearing this now. Just email themarvelous at gmail.com. We have one pair to give away. I think they're going, like, really fast. So so we're going to pick a winner by Saturday morning at the very latest. Yeah, I hope so. I don't want to be there talking to myself all, all weekend, you know. I don't think that's going to happen. You'll you'll have your lovely wife, uh, if nothing else. To well, run. she doesn't come down the table. Dan's not too social about that. I mean, she worked with me on some stuff, and I'm always trying to persuade her, but she's kind of shy of crowds, but uh, I'll be there anyway. She does a great job, too. John Samino, he helps me out there. And John Bowerjack, who um, withstands last uh, caregiver for the last several years, a great guy, and yeah. they, they help, kind of helped me out there, so we'll, we'll be meeting a lot of people. 
I tell you what, you need the help, you need the support. And well, you know, we also collect for Hero Initiative, the comics charity, and that's practically a job in itself. You know, people are very generous about that, and the most they have to really do if they just want a simple signature is throw in a buck or three to uh, the charity. And You know what, Troy, that answers one of my questions, too. If you were still active, I assume so, in the Hero Initiative, and that's how you're handling the autographs, by, by donations to the Hero Initiative. That's that's wonderful. Yeah, if they if people want something more, you know, if they want a drawing, God knows I don't draw very well, or they want a poster, John Cimino has some Truly excellent posters that uh, just came over from China. They came by balloon a couple of weeks ago. You might have heard. No, about, you know. <laughs> but um, it's like special. He calls them the adamantium covers. It's the it's giant size, beautiful posters of Boston silver and all kinds of stuff uh, of the Hulk number one eighty one cover and, and Avengers fifty seven covers, plus a couple other smaller posters that with me and my various co-creations and things like that. You know, or if somebody wants a CGC book sign, we, you know, we charge extra for those things. But yeah. it's also just a chance to kind of meet and say hello to people and sign a couple comics. If they don't have a comic to sign, we'll just say hi, you know. And get a picture, too. I mean, that's really wonderful. You can still keep doing it. You've been doing, I think, some shows. you got more coming up, too, after this? Well, no, I had one in Kansas City last week. was a really nice convention, and my two sisters were there, uh, which is nice. And next weekend, we're going to be down at a one-day convention near Houston, and next month, we're in Huntsville, Alabama, mm-hmm. sometime in the latter part of the month. And that kind of does us until there's a Hershey, Pennsylvania, but that's sometime in the summer. And that kind of does us for the year. It's all kind of front-loaded this year. And so, you know, once we get past the end of April, there'll just be, you know, one other convention. I had to turn down a couple, like Australia, where I kind of wanted to go to, but we were just too busy to go. Wow, that would have been a nice trip. Yeah, I, gotta, I wanted to see the kangaroos again, you know. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask one other thing about the Hero Initiative, then we'll move on. Sure. You've been doing that for quite a while. How would you just ballpark it? How many recipients or beneficiaries are there to this? And just, to, you know, bring that bring that home a little bit more. People are not sure what, what that's all about. Well, basically, it was set up under a slightly different name, Actor, which didn't really fit it. Back in about 2000, and I've been a member of the, the disbursement board, we vote to accept people either apply or we find people that need some help, some people who qualify by having been in comics long enough. You know, it has to be a number of years. They have to have done a certain amount of work and so forth, just a technical thing. And then, we, you know, we try to work with them, help them out, get them back on their feet. We can't do it open-ended, for, open-ended forever, but we've been able to help a few people kind of get by. And that's supported by, I don't know if the Hero Initiative will have its own table at this convention. It did in Kansas City, but people like myself and others collect for the uh, charity, and people send money in. A lot of artists will uh, contribute artwork that we auction off over websites and things. And all that money the artists are basically submitting or donating to the cause. And we've actually been able to help quite a number of people over these last, what, 22 or 23 years. And I'm kind of pleased to still be a part of it. I just feel lucky, you know, I'm on the end helping to give the money away instead of having to ask for it. So, you know, I should try to help some other people that haven't been quite as lucky as I have. What they call paying it forward, I believe, right? Reciprocating. Yeah, paying and, yeah. it forward, right. Yeah, I got. I remember Dick Giordano, used to, that was, he's the first guy I remember who always, always used that term. And that and payback and things like this. And it makes me feel a little useful. I'm not just in there collecting for myself. You know, I'm in there collecting for other people, too. We did really well in Kansas City. You know, got a couple of grand or so. I'd like to see New York beat that total. Mm-hmm. I think we collected, over the two days in Kansas City, we collected about $2,600 for uh, Hero. Mm-hmm. And if we beat that with New York, so much the better, you know. Sure, and every if little New bit York helps, like we say. Kansas City, what good is it, right? Mm-hmm, exactly, <laughs> right. In your dealings with the people that are the recipients of the beneficiaries of yeah. the Hero Initiative, would you say it, it numbers in the dozens or more? Oh, I, th- I think it's up into three figures now at least. Because yeah. after all, it's 22 years. I'd say it's probably in a couple of hundred, a few hundred. I, I'm not quite sure. 
And some of these things are a few hundred dollars. Some of them, you know, are a few thousand. Some people we've had to give stuff to uh, money to, uh, you know, two or three times and and everything to kind of help them out. Some, sometimes we have to draw a line under it and say we can't do too much more because it would take too much away from other people and maybe it's time for them to leave the field or something and find another employment. We help as long as we can and as much as we can. And, you know, we've got board members. You know, a lot of people, of course, are gone that were board members. Dick himself and Denny O'Neill, Joe Kubert, George Perez recently. But we've still got a lot of people, Jim Valentino, Howard Chaikin, Anna Senti from Marvel, uh, who, the only board member I think I haven't met. And uh, a couple other people there, you know, all trying to do their part. And there are a few other people helping from other ends. And Marvel's been very cooperative to uh, allow us to, you know, use their characters. Like I always have an ad in every issue of Alter Ego. And I have a picture of Captain America, usually one by Ramita, but occasionally by somebody else who's spotlighted, like Kirby or Ditko or something. And they allow us to use their name. And one or two other small companies do, too, to get this. Because, they, you know, they know we're honest. They know where we live. We're not going to run away with the money. Right, exactly. And uh, from what I know and understand, also both days at Big Apple Comic Con this time will be uh, Jim Steranko. And I'm not sure, I know, in talking to Mike last week about whether you'll be near each other. We were uh, separated only by Don Rosa in Kansas City. And we talked for a few minutes, but we were... He was pretty busy talking to some Australian dressed as Evil Knievel uh, about 20 feet away. I was shoveling people through and saying hello and a few so, and Don Rosa was in between with his Uncle Scrooge and Donald Duck material, and way down at the other end of the line, and, and we had breakfast with him a couple of times, was uh, Mr. X-Men himself, Chris Claremont. Mm. So we had a good time, and Jimmy Palmietti was there. I don't think I'd ever met him before. We talked for a little bit, and... I got to meet Richard Dreyfus, which was kind of fun. I was a big admirer of his yeah. work, and he was talking about how he liked comics back in the early 60s. I keep forgetting he's younger than I am, not older. You know? <laughs> well, I think that just in terms of having crowds of people around yourself, Starenko, you might need to be separated, at least for this show. I'm not sure how it will play well, out. Well, that's okay. Yeah, you know, well, I'm sure the people will keep us both fairly busy, and that's Mike's problem to figure out, right? <laughs> he's right, exactly. Mike and yeah. his crew have to figure that out. I remember when I was there five years ago, I was supposed to be right next to Rich Buckler, who unfortunately didn't show up because he was ill, he passed away not too long after that, so yep. I didn't get to see him that day, but I remember the crowds got kind of large, and so they moved me down somewhere else, you know, and everything, and, mm -hmm. but it's a big show, I don't know how many people are going to be there, I don't know if they have any estimates of how many people come to these conventions, I know they're, you know, fairly big. From the past, I know, yeah, there have been numbers and so on, and typically he'll do one right before Christmas for a one-day thing and then the two-day one, which is now. So, yeah. again, it's the beginning for our New York City area, the first one of the new year, 2023. Let me just move on to one or two other things, as sure. you know, time is always is the enemy. And I've gotten different answers from different people we've asked, and you're no exception in the fact that some things that make it to the screen, whether it's small screen, Disney+, Plus, or the big screen, you yourself may or may not have gotten to see – where I'm going with is Morbius and Werewolf by Night. And I don't know if you've seen either one of those. Oh, I've seen both of them. And would you say, as character creator of both you know, Man-Thing and Morbius, how comic book accurate and true to and that? And Werewolf. <laughs> yes. I didn't write that much of, uh, especially Werewolf. You know, I didn't want to write it, but I gave it to Jerry Conway. But, yeah, all, the, all three of those characters, Werewolf, Man-Thing, which Stan and I basically co-created with uh, Jerry and Gray Morrow, and, and of course, uh, Morbius, which Gil Kane and I, created with a few a little few hints and a kick from Stan. Mm -hmm. I was uh, really pleased with the werewolf. It wasn't the kind of story so much that I wanted. I mean, I, I wanted to see a teenage werewolf. You know, uh, my werewolf that I had in, in mind was always a teenager. He was basically Peter Parker as a werewolf instead of a guy bitten by a spider. You know, he's bitten by a, I, I don't know, radioactive wolf maybe or something right. instead. 
and I wanted to see that story, but I did like the story they came up with as uh, getting the uh, the man thing in there was nice. The werewolf part was really nice, and there were some really good scenes, but i got to admit, the thing I liked the best was the man thing, because, of course, Ray Morrow, visually, and I mentally always based him on the old Heap character from the 40s and 50s, and Gray had made him look just like that, and it's seeing him... That character really come alive on the screen for the first time was really good, and I hope to see more. More of your things a little more problematical because I think Jared Leto was excellent. I think the picture was a little better than its critics who seem to hop on for some reason. Maybe mm. they don't like Marvel, they don't like vampires, they don't like Jared Leto, they don't like whatever, but... But I do think that there was a problem with the Barbius movie, which is that whoever was responsible for the story, uh, among other problems, and maybe there wasn't quite enough of a story, but I think they fundamentally misunderstood the main thing about Morbius because they have him, virtually the, the entire movie, he's drinking the synthetic blood, right? Yeah. So he doesn't have to drink human blood. Well, the whole thing is... The character that Gill and I created, he's a tormented guy because he has to drink human blood. If you give him this cop-out of synthetic blood, and you never really have him face the other problem except maybe from a distance, and you try to foist it off on a, a villain vampire and totally instead, it takes away from the tragedy of, and so forth of, uh, of Morbius. And so I think that, uh, not Leto, but whoever wrote, produced the uh, film, I think they just fundamentally misunderstood the character, and they were off on a wrong step from the beginning, and when, you're, when you don't understand the character from the beginning, you make a lot of mistakes with it, I and see. there's no getting back you know, from that. If they had got that part right, I think the rest of it might have flowed better. The real thing I wanted, I wanted it to be a big enough hit that, they, uh, that sooner or later you can get, it together with, get him together with Spider-Man or maybe some of these other villains. It's a shame, he being a Sony character, you, know, you, you can't get him in a legion of monsters with Man-Thing and Werewolf and Ghost Rider, a few... Hey, you, then you'd have an all Roy Thomas squad. I had a hand, in, at least, in the creation of all four of those, and I'd love to have seen it, but unfortunately, Morbius is kind of roped off with the Spider-Man villains. Yeah, but no, I mean, but that's great idea. I'm hoping do something more with him, put him in the Sinister Six or yeah. something like that, because uh, a movie may sometimes be not too great, but uh, the second movie, sometimes the sequel's better. Remember Bride of Frankenstein? Mm, all right. Who'd have thought? Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe you just needed that female component. We don't know. I we assume. don't know. Well, just a real quick last thought on that with Werewolf by Night, and I'm sure you've been asked this before, who came up with the character name of Jack Russell? <laughs> the funny thing is that it was Jerry. I had this idea, and Stan approved it, and my first wife, Jeannie, and I plotted out the story. But I, I didn't really like writing horror comics much those days. I just wanted to make up the character. It had been an idea of mine. And I gave it over to Jerry, and he did, all, when, in writing all the dialogue, working with artist Mike Klug, Jerry made up the name Jack Russell, but you, this is really weird. I thought, well, Jerry just decided to pull on him by naming him after a type of dog yeah. and sneaking to get past me because I knew very little about, you know, breeds of dogs at the time. I was more of a cat person, you know. Same here. Uh, at that time. But the funny thing is Jerry swears that he knew even less about dogs than I did <laughs> so that he didn't know Jack Russell was the name of a dog type either. That's even weirder. So it was a pure coincidence, accident, all the above. Yeah, I can't. I mean, there's no reason not to believe what Jerry says. If he said it, he certainly admitted it at this stage, and he, he says he didn't know that was a breed of dog. I guess we're just lucky he wasn't named Fox Terrier or, or something, you know. <laughs> I suppose. I mean, Fox is used in, in other all right, over place characters. You know? <laughs> sure, sure. Could have been. Let me move on to something very recent. I had started seeing this with a post by, I believe John Cimino had posted this in January, and it just came out yesterday. I have my brand new copy of this hardcover, The Marvel Value Stamps of Visual History. Yeah, I'm real proud of the book. Other people kind of mostly put it together there at Abrams, and I just wrote like this long, long 
introductory thing, but as I told the editor, uh, this book's a lot better than it should be, because you know, I always hated the idea of Marvel value stamps, because people were going to have to cut up their comics. But that was Stan's idea, his baby, and he said, we're going to do it, so we did it. But uh, I never liked the idea, so I, I told Abrams that when they called. I said, as long as you don't mind, I mentioned that I hated the idea, but I had a lot of fun writing about it. They did a wonderful job. They showed the stamp. They reproduced the part of the letters page, the whole letters page, where that stamp was on. They tell, you know, where the stamp came from. They go over the uh, British forebear of it, which I didn't even know anything about until I was writing this article and learned about it from a British correspondent of mine. They go over all the later attempts to revive it. It's really a two, three hundred page book. Boy, I tell you, I had fun going over it, and I can't say enough about it. Of all the various books that Abrams came out with, I think it's kind of fun. I mean, you know, if you're not going to find any complete stories in there or learn a lot of facts about your favorite writers or artists or whatever, but if you're looking for a collection of Marvel value stamps and the story behind them and everything else, I think you'll have a, a good time. I enjoy it. I may have some comics that have that never cut anything out, but here well, they are all you. together. You know, <laughs> you know, just like when I forgot how long ago the whole little album of uh, Marvel stickers came out. Another aspect yeah, here. Yeah, they got a book on that too, don't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sooner or later, there'll be a book on everything Marvel ever did. You know, <laughs> I'm going to Stan Lee's old toupees or something. You know? <laughs> I'm going to make sure that I bring this, of course, for an autograph I'm putting aside. There's a page in here that's got a, a young, rascally Roy Thomas photo. Any idea how old you were in that picture? I don't remember which picture it is, and I don't have a copy of the book in front of me, but yeah, it probably goes back in the 70s or something. But I was probably already 30 or so. I always look kind of young for my age, and it, which was a problem you know, when I was a high school teacher. It gets a little better as you get older, because now I'm 82, and I maybe look a little younger, so I'm happy about it now. I used to not be. Well, bless you for that and for all you've done throughout the work and the long career you've had. What's up with, if there's any development, I know I think I asked once before, maybe in person, an autobiography and the works on you? Yeah, I, my manager's been bugging me. and I, The problem was, every time I'd get a little time, I'd find some new book project. Abrams would come up with something, or the Folio Society would come up with one of these various selection books that I've been doing, the, you know, the best of Spider-Man, the best of this, the best of that. There's about eight or nine of those, and I'm about to start another one from the Folio Society over in the U.K. They're mostly sold by mail since they're over there. So therefore, I never got a, I never seemed to have a chance to get started. So finally, and by coincidence, John pointed out to me, it was like the day before what would have been Stanley's 100th birthday, you know. But it was just by actually, I finally decided on December the 27th, I just sat down, I'm going to start this thing. Since that time, I've written it's going to be a long thing with, with a zillion illustrations. Probably won't even be in one volume. I'll probably put it in volumes because I don't want to talk just about my own life. I want to talk about all the, the people I knew and what they did and all the behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, some of which has been an alter ego, some of which hasn't. It won't be a tell-all because there's a lot of stuff I, I'm not going to tell because it'd be too embarrassing to somebody, you know, and everything. Yeah. But, you know, I want to just tell a lot of stories about the stuff and so forth. And <laughs> the funny thing is I think I'm up to the first draft of the first part of it. Finally signed off on it the other day. I mean, I'll still tour around a little bit, but it's about 27,000 words. And I think I just graduated from the eighth grade. <laughs> I may cut it down a little bit, but basically I'm not... The nice thing is I'm not trying to make money with it. I'm not writing for anybody but myself. If nobody, if a few, just enough people read it to give the publisher a uh, profit, I'll be happy because I just want to do the book I want to do, and I don't care what anybody else, what they want to see or what they don't want to see. You know, mm -hmm. I'll just, I'll write my book, and they can either buy it or not buy it. It's not going to make any difference to me. <laughs> well, I'm very happy to hear that something's in the works, at least in parts, up to the eighth grade at least. Yeah, oh, yeah, well, it, obviously the first volume will have to get me through Marvel or, no, or nobody would want to buy it, not even <laughs> me. I'll have a, two or three years of Marvel by the time I get to the end of the book. But I also wanted to go over, you know, there's 
the thing is, the, the whole pop culture background, you know, of myself, the things that fed in, and the fandom stuff was very important to me and to the early comics because of the editors to Stan and Julie Schwartz. That was the period from about late 1960 through about 65 when I got in the field. And then I got to cover at least two or three, the first few years of being in the field. I don't know if it'll cover up to when I became editor-in-chief or it'll cut after I got married or cut after I made up Ultron and the Vision or in the middle of a sentence, who knows what. Yeah, that's just the first... <laughs> it'll, it'll be in there, and uh, the only problem is it'll probably be a year or so before I can take it out because they put it out because they can't uh, schedule it until I know for sure it's finished, and you know I can only sort of work on it in between issues of Alter Ego, although I, I got, you know, very enthusiastic about it, and I'm trying not to take on too many other assignments. If Marvel or DC offers me a comic to write, okay. But otherwise, I'm going to try to cool it and not do too many other things for the next year or two because I'm more interested in writing this book than I am in anything except that and alter ego right now. Yeah, and I think part of, or maybe the very first thing that's the difficult part is getting it down on paper, or in this case, in the computer. Yeah, you can always fix it up later. First thing you got to do is put it down. Maybe that I'll probably knock that twenty-seven thousand down all the way to twenty-six thousand. You know? all, the, all the way. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Wish you lots of luck with that, Roy. And thank you again so much. You're truly a treasure in comicdom and pick up Marvel value stamps of visual history. I know not everybody that hears this is going to be within bitten distance of New York, but yeah. I hope anybody that does comes by at the convention, says hello, even if they don't have anything to sign, or just there's a lot of other stuff at the convention besides me. As I said, there's Starenko and a bunch of other people, and we'll have a good time there. I know so. Roy Thomas, thank you so much. Appearing at Big Apple Comic Con, March 25th and 26th. Thank you, as always. Regards to Dan, and we'll see you Saturday, and safe travels. Fine, thank you. See you later. Bye. For the Marvelists, I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior. Nuff said.